When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply want to remind you before we get started the tick pick is the exclusive ticketing partner of purple insider and the blue wire network tick pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging service fees ever what's that sound you hear coming from the trenches it's former minnesota viking offensive lineman jeremiah searles it's time for the tuesday morning left guard show on Purple Insider. They're too strong, my dog. You're too strong. Hello, welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. It is time once again for Tuesday Morning Left Guard. Matthew Collar and former Minnesota Viking Jeremiah Searles. Jeremiah, how are you? I am fantastic. Tough weekend here for uh, the Husker game. Ripped my heart out pretty good, but a really solid games on Sunday of Husker football. Andrew Siciliano just serenaded me for seven hours on the Red Zone channel. But it also is a very busy time at my house. I have my mother-in-law, my sister-in-law, and her four children here. So it's been uh, busy, to say the least. Yeah, and not only that, but you uh, took your first shot at watching NFL Game Pass and the film that was uploaded, and it is a tragedy. It's it a is trojan. the worst thing I've ever seen. It it actually shut down my computer, like froze my computer yes. and made it not work anymore. And yeah. so uh, I guess I'm going to have to keep going with that fool my computer to think it's in Australia to watch the European version because it's insane how bad the film is. It, it same thing. My like, I thought my internet was bad. So I closed everything out and then I was like, no, cause it'd be like half a second and then it'd skip like nine plays and they're kicking a field goal and I missed everything in between. And it's so nothing was wrong with it last year. It was fine. Click the coaches that you could click individual plays. You can't even click individual plays. Now it's literally Russian roulette with what play you're going to see on the sideline or Enzo thing. And it is just so bad. <sighs> and I was trying to scroll around to look like, am I doing something wrong? Is there some sort of fix? Yeah. And the scrolling made it much worse. Yes. And then it just yes. freaked out and shut down. <laughs> so um, I'm going to go back to using the VPN mode, I guess, to watch the film. It's so weird that the European version of the NFL game pass is the old one, yeah. which worked fine and did not need to be changed at all. But you navigated your way yes. through this um football game that existed between the Vikings <laughs> and the Detroit Lions. Now, the 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 big picture takeaway, uh, Jeremiah, over the last couple of days, I think from fans has largely been, uh, look, uh, congratulations on the field goal, um, but this is not enough. Like, this won't get you anywhere. And I was looking at ESPN's FPI, which is their football power index. Yeah. Nice. And uh, they have the Vikings at 14th. And I think perpetually being 14th, 16th, 17th in that range of just about everything has just grown, grown pretty tired. So as, as you watch that game, did you feel like, well, there's this, that, and the other thing that they can fix to change who they are, or is this kind of who they are a team that will play up to Arizona, play down to Detroit and just sort of bounce their way up and down through the season? 
You know, it's it's hard to watch games like this because you know they're so much better than what they put out on the field. Um, I think the one thing that I saw this week that was really glaring is Michael Pierce plays a big part in this defense and him not being out there and them asking Davin Tomlinson to move inside to more of that nose guard position at times. He doesn't, he, he, he's not Michael Pierce and eating up those double teams like he can, and he's much better on the outsides. But I think that getting Anthony Barr back helped. But for me, I think that this team is, we talked about it in the off season. We think that they're an eight or nine win team and that's 14th and 15th and 16th because there's certain things we can overcome, but there's certain things that I think we're just limited to. And the, the question is how do you fix it? And as I watch, there's, there's a couple things. One thing I think that you need to target Adam Thielen a little bit more, you know, Justin Jefferson, superstar, no doubt about it. Dude's a stud. He's had, I mean, what, like 160 yards receiving or something stupid like that. But you got to get Adam Thielen more involved because you get two of those dudes going like we saw last year. It's, it's really good. So you get those two guys going a little bit more because the protection was there. But the thing with the defense is we didn't really stop the run all day. Like we stopped it when there was penalties. And so I think that all this to say, yeah, I think we're an eight or nine win football team because of just certain limitations. But I also can't really put my finger on like, what those limitations are because it seems like it changes every single week. It feels also like there is an answer to this that may not get you to number one, but it gives you a chance to be better than 14. It also gives you a chance to be much worse than 14, which would be to open things up. And, uh, you know, when you hear after the game, well, they mixed coverages on us. So we had to throw underneath to CJ and not throw to Adam Thielen and so forth. Like these are the things that we've been hearing kind of for years with Kirk Cousins of, well, you know, they just double teamed our top receiver. So we couldn't throw to him. And that's, you know, one of the reasons I think Stefan Diggs is a Buffalo Bill right now is because. I don't think that Stefan Diggs accepted that. I'm not even sure that Kirk Cousins is okay with the way that they run this offense. I mean, second down and 10 runs were just everywhere in this game. And that was a thing that over the first couple of games, I thought, oh, they're kind of getting away from. And maybe Clint, maybe Clint's seeing some of the same things that, you know, all the top teams are seeing. And he's being a little innovative here. And there was some more pre-snap motion, things like that it's all kind of just gone right back to where it's been. And that just puts a cap on what you can be. It means you're going to play in a lot of 19 to 17 games. And, you know, I think that part of this probably is that Zimmer did not enjoy playing in a 30, whatever it was game against Arizona. That might be part of it. But when the answer does seem there of the one thing that could give you a chance and they absolutely refuse to go that direction and just keep pounding Alexander Madison, um, that that's where I think people watch the games in the stands and start booing and go like, are you really handing off for three yards again on second and 10? Well, I watch Lamar Jackson put up 500 by himself. And while I watch Josh Allen throw rockets 50 yards in the air and somebody just makes a play, right? Like when you're looking at the rest of the league, it looks like a different universe from what you're seeing at, at us bank stadium. I completely agree with you. And I, I don't know the answer, but is it who, who is, who is holding the reins back, right? Is it Zimmer? Is it Kirk? Is it Clint? Is it kind of a combination of too many chefs in the kitchen trying to do too much and we can't do anything like really well, but the idea of opening it up is you nailed it. If you look across the NFL, 
it's, I mean, it's, it's backyard football a lot right now. It's a lot of, Hey, draw the play in the dirt. If it's not open, Hey, go deep. And we're just going to launch one to you. And you just don't see the route combinations for the Vikings in that respect. I mean, you see a lot of tight end at 10 yards out route at eight yards. And then, Oh, Hey, we threw a go ball once down to Jefferson and he caught it. Let's never do that again. And it's just frustrating to watch. And I can imagine as a player, especially Kirk, especially these receivers. And, and I'll say this about our receivers. I think they're great individual, like humans. You don't see them throwing stuff on the sideline and freaking out. Cause I do think this team is a really close and really like wants to win and they'll do whatever it takes to win. And they're bought in. But at one point in time, it's going to boil over. And you saw it with Diggs a few years ago. I think you might see it with some of the older vets that are like, come on, man, what are we, what are we doing? Like, we know what we're capable of. We've shown what we're capable of doing on offense. Let us just go do our thing. And at this point, I think you might see some more of that because they're right at the end of the game. We kind of opened it up a little bit. Big play down the field. Another couple of big plays. But we're just so hesitant to push the ball down the field. And I don't know if that's because we don't trust Kirk. We don't trust the protection to hold up. We don't trust the receivers to go up and get it. But this, the our, our screen game is so atrocious that there isn't one because it's like, okay, second and long, third and long screen. And the defense knows it. I know it. Everyone who's watching the tape goes screen and it just gets nothing. And so I don't know what the answer is, but I think the answer is, hey, Kirk, you want to be an NFL all pro? We're going to put the ball in your court and you go either make it happen or you don't. But at this point, it's on you because every great quarterback in this league, I mean, you heard it with uh, the Chargers uh, post game. I watched their post game uh, in the locker room thing. And their head coach was like, whenever you get in a shootout like this, you got to have a great trigger man. Like, you've got to have a trigger man that can just let it loose and put the ball where it needs to be. And he's absolutely right. And Herbert was just excellent at that. Kirk just doesn't – they don't let him just go out there and be the trigger man that just dumps it and lets it rip and lets it fly. I'd like to see him at least have the opportunity to do that. And then, I mean, it's on him whether he makes it go or it doesn't work. Yeah, and that's part of it is feeling like this – quarterback who has been very up and down in his career he's had his great games he's had his poor games uh and during his vikings career it's been a roller coaster Mm -hmm. but uh feeling like he has the arm to make throws down the field and be successful with it last year he's i think it was 14 for 24 throwing over 20 yards to justin jefferson uh and he has the accuracy and if you give him time to throw which in this game he was given lots of time he was and then that's a major part of it and then when other teams figure out, oh, all we have to do is just put a little roll, a little safety over their guy. And it just, the ball won't go there. I think that's part of who Kirk is that if teams double team a, a wide receiver, he's not going to push it into a tight window. I also think that speaks to his arm strength. That is not Josh Allen. It's not Justin Herbert. It's not Patrick Mahomes. You cannot fire BBs into tiny windows. Like you see Matt Stafford do. Uh, but at the same time, um, you can throw balls up, uh, you know, and let a 50-50 ball make a play. And and that's what we saw from Case Keenum a lot in 2017. And that was sort of, it, it evens the talent gap. For sure, Cousins is more talented than Keenum, but Keenum would just throw those balls up. And I'm sh- and it drove Zimmer crazy, and Keenum didn't care. 
I think that's another part of it is that Kirk is very much like the, I'm going to do what the coaches tell me to do. I'm going to operate those plays. And Keenan was kind of like, I don't know, man, I get out there. I'm going to throw it out. Just make a play. You can yell at me after the game in the press conference, but you know, and so I, I think that that's, that, that is sort of a combination where if you haven't empowered him to do that, he's not going to do it. And then we just push the repeat button each week and you hope you make the field goal at the end. Yeah, I, I think that when you look at it from the objective point of view is, is Kirk gonna is Kirk willing to go to war with Zimmer over it? And I think the answer is no. I think that Kirk's personality, and I'm not saying it's bad at all. I mean, he's an amazing human being, is compliance, I guess is one way to say it, of like, hey, we're going to respect the hierarchy of all this. You're the head coach. You tell us what to do. It's our job. We're players. We're not coaches. We go out. We run what you're going to ask us to run. And I think that that's kind of where he falls into that category. And so that's why you don't see the them clashing on the sideline ever, too. Because, I mean, if you would think about it, if you named any of those quarterbacks you just came off and we're down there not push the ball, you're going to see them maybe getting a little more upset with their head guy or even their OC or maybe they're having a heated conversation with the receiver on the sideline. And you just don't see that from when you watch the games or when you hear Kirk talk after the games, when you hear anyone talk after the games, and it's almost like they just don't want to rock the boat. And you can understand that when you can tell everyone's buttholes are probably a little tight over in Eden Prairie or where they're in Egan now, right? Yes, over in Egan, Egan yeah. like where it's just like you can tell everyone's kind of tension because there's a lot riding on this season of who's keeping jobs, who's getting cut, who's doing. And so I think everyone's just trying to play so tight and so afraid to not make mistakes that we're just not opening it up. And you're really starting to see it show on Sundays. And you've been through this uh, 2016 oh, had uh, it had a very similar feeling yeah. in terms of now this year uh, we are not quote in the locker room because COVID and something, even though there was a post game scrum for Greg Joseph where everyone gathered around him, but I guess that's not a COVID thing, but being in the locker, I don't know. Nobody so knows what a COVID thing is anymore. Not try to explain the rules to me. <laughs> um, everyone's vaccinated and wearing masks, but not, out go everyone out locker room i i don't know yeah i didn't make that rule but uh anyway so you know it inside the locker room in 2016 it was very tense uh everything like say a tweet from a cornerback or something would would kind of get like blown up in some way or another bad situations were made worse everyone was tense and i think that the head coach of this football team does not make that better um and that he's never made it better he didn't make it better in 2018. He did not make it better last year. Like that's not a thing that he, that he's really, it's like, we talk about how this team has to play from ahead. They also have to play from ahead in the standings because once they're not, it seems like the tension will get to Zimmer and ultimately you, and he's, I think he's tried to get better from this, but uh, ultimately I think that it makes people play more tense and play worse. Um, and I, and I really think that 2016 team dealt with that. Yeah, especially with when you got young players in key positions. I mean, especially with the the day and age of what college coaching is now, where you're basically having to recruit your kids through four years at your university so they don't transfer, that you don't really have the old school come down on you and just let you have it type of coach anymore. Because if you have that in college, they just hit the eject button and go somewhere else. Now you get into the NFL and there is some of the old school coaches still around like Zimmer. Um, like Ron Rivera, like some of these dudes that have been doing it for a long time that have no problem just, hey, you're not doing your job. I'm going to let you know about it. And you can almost see some of the young guys that 
they just clam up so bad and they're so afraid of disappointing the head coach or making the air to make the head coach upset that you can play tight. And when you play tight, you play slow. And when you play slow, you get burned in this league because there's only one way to play in the NFL and it's a hundred miles an hour at every point or else you're just going to get torched. And some coaches are really good about understanding the balance of that. Other coaches are kind of like, no, you can adapt to the way I coach. I had that coach in college. Bo Pelini was that way. And we talked about it after, for a while after I graduated, I got chalked with him and like, Hey, when things would go wrong on the sideline, like your attitude wouldn't help it. Like your, your freak outs and stuff would not help me feel like, Oh, I'm okay to go back out there and make things happen again. Like your, your, your freak outs and your, your anger and as much passion as you have for the game really made me like, Oh, stay away from me. Don't talk to me like, and, and made some more anxiety. And so I think that can happen a little bit in the NFL too, especially with younger guys. Now Harrison Smith don't care if Mike Zimmer is going to come over and yell at him. Like Daniel Hunter doesn't care. Cam Dantzler might care. You know, some of these young DJ Wanham might care. Like there's certain guys that you need in key positions that might just need something a little on the other edge that are still just adapting to it. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but that's definitely something that happens as in the NFL. And it's going to start happening more and more with college becoming softer. Yeah, I know. I, I agree with that. And I also think that, you know, the fact that everyone can read everything you say, this mm. is this is something that Zimmer has never really understood that what you say in that room with 12 of us staring at you, uh, that's going over Twitter and that's going on Facebook and Instagram and everyone's family sees it and they all watch it and they know everything that you said after the game and in your press conferences and everything else. And he's just never really sort of captured that. And even his response to Brashad Breland's uh, vulgar tweet, Johnson. I think, uh, I, I think that, they're evidence of that. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't believe that Mike Tomlin would have handled it that way. I, you know, I think Bill Belichick probably would have said we're dealing with it internally or something like that. We're, on, it, to, we're on to whoever they play next. And, and blunt bluntness is to be appreciated. And I have learned a lot about football because of Mike Zimmer's bluntness, but there's a bluntness, but there's also a, um, another side of that. And I've heard just from people that, the Wilfs are considering the other side of that as they go through this, you know, if you go to two and four, it's not just how's your defense look. Defense looks okay. You know, it looks fine. I expected it to look, but that's not all the considerations that will be made if they don't win against Carolina. So let's talk just real quick of line. Um, Christian Darestaw, football player, football league. Now um, from what you could spot on the film, what did you think of his play? Yeah, so I actually thought he came in and played rather well. Um, I think that in his limited snaps, he came in, and the one thing that immediately was apparent to me is he can anchor in the pass protection game. Uh, the last few weeks, we've seen Rashad Hill in a couple times. I mean, the first play of the second half this week, you see Rashad Hill get ran clean over. I mean, he gets melted um, by Flowers, who's a good defensive end. That's a good player. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that he's some slap out there, but – Darisaw, you can see he hits, he jumps, he anchors, and stops. And that's a big quality to have. And I think that's one of the reasons he's a first-round pick is because you saw him do that all through college. Um, I remember watching him in college. He can hit with his hands, and he can sit with that big old butt of his, and he just sits there and absorbs it, and it's great. In the run game, I really thought he showed some good strength. He showed some opening, some holes. He was able to have some one-on-one -on -one blocks and get guys moved off the line of scrimmage. He had good pad level. There was a, a one, another one that really stood out to me was 
he took his uh he took his set guy came inside and he just absolutely slammed the door with good quick feet good hands and was able to let kirk roll out of the pocket and get out and make it a, a good reception and so just seeing flashes right you, you saw some flashes but you all saw sometimes he got beat but again I, I have to remind myself this is his first really nfl experience and you're kind of thrown in there in a big game i mean on a big game against a good player but i was really pleasantly surprised with what i saw from him and it also is kind of like that's what i expected from you when they drafted you like when they drafted you in the first round or, or this is this is who you should be this is what you need to be this is what this team needed this is what this team looked at in the offseason said glaring glaring issue big time glaring issue this is what we need to fix and I think that with his development, I mean, again, I'm not anointing him king. What we do with Jefferson last year, the 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 hot cold meter, he's in the light blue. Dude, dude's dude's cold as ice. But I do think the arrow is pointed up for him, and I think he is the long term solution. Not Rashad Hill, love the guy to death. We've talked about it. He's not a 16, 17 game starter for this team. I think Derisaw could be the long term solution there at left guard, at left tackle. Excuse me. Folks, football season is in full swing, but we've got basketball and hockey getting rolling as well. And Soda Stick has got you covered. You have to see the Moose t-shirt designs for Marcus Felino. You can also get your hands on the very popular Dollar Bill Kirill shirts as well. On the basketball side, the design with three wolves howling at the moon, perfect for the spooky fall season. And the design with the wolf carved into the state of the Minnesota is just awesome. It's very cool stuff. And hey, for you college football fans, Check out the Tanner Morgan t-shirts as well. Soda Stick has tons of hats and hoodies with all their great designs on them. You will love it. Go to SodaStick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K. Check that out today. Use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. And also follow myself and Soda Stick on Twitter for our giveaways. Folks, Minnesota football is back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet for Minnesota football tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K, P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need to go for NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees like the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices of all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference on your purchase price. We've got quite a slate of home games in downtown Minneapolis, including revenge game for Cleveland when they return to Minnesota and plenty more. Visit TickPick.com insider today and use the promo code insider to save $10 on your first order for Minnesota football tickets. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do you think that they should start him next week where uh, Brian Burns is lurking? I think you should rotate him in again. I think that it needs to be a ramp up thing. I don't think getting into game shape in the middle of season is damn near impossible. Asking someone to go from just practice and getting four, eight reps a period to, Hey, 
go play 70 plays this week is not it's just not something that's smart to do i think that if you want to get him in game shape you do exactly like you did this week but more you just kind of ramp him up maybe he gets a full quarter now right maybe he gets uh starts the second half so he gets used to starting after coming out of the locker room you do things that mentally help him go through his checklist of what it's like to play in an nfl game too not just physically and i think you do that for another week or two and then you gauge his play Obviously, it's a lot gauged on how he's playing, how he's performing, because as the more he plays, the book on how to beat him on tape comes out more. Mm-hmm. And he has to learn how to adjust each and every week, too. There's so much that goes into a guy starting versus just, oh, start him. He's, he's the guy. There's so much more that goes into that that usually you get to see through preseason and camp in the first couple of weeks of the season that we just don't have with him. We're just simply saying. We, we have an issue there at left tackle and we need to find a way to plug the hole in the dam. And right now you're our only option. Yeah. So a stat for you, um, yes, almost stats. four. Yeah. Almost 40% of Kirk's total pressure comes from one position. That position is left tackle. Left tackle. Uh, and, and surprisingly, and maybe this is from getting the ball out quicker this year. Um, Kirk cousins has not caused uh, anywhere near amount of his own pressure that he did last year from holding the ball too long or, or things like that. Uh, so he has been getting the ball out, which has also taken his average yards per attempt down to 22nd in the league or the Vikings as a team are 22nd in yards per pass attempt. So there's always this sort of give and take, but when 40% of your total pressure is coming from one position, that's where you have to do something else if you have that option. So I think after the bye, especially when they go against Micah Parsons coming out of the bye, that should be two first-round picks battling against each other at that position. Uh, I also wanted to ask you, and I know we've talked about him uh, several times on this show, about your experience practicing against Everson Griffin, but Everson Griffin is looking fantastic and is one of the tops in the league in terms of his uh, pass rush win rate. He is second on the team in pressures by a country mile. Nobody else is even close. It's Hunter, 27, Griffin with 16, 11 in the last two weeks, and then the next down is seven. So that that they have relied greatly on them. Uh, why do you think that uh, Everson Griffin has been able to maintain this level of explosiveness and success? Uh, because he looks like the old Everson. Yeah, I think a lot of it. I think Everson being the human being that he is, and some we all know Everson's got demons, right? We all got demons. But I think him being back in a comfortable situation in a place that he knows in a scheme that he knows surrounded by guys that love him and surrounded by guys that he trusts has allowed him to just go out and play football the way he knows how to play football. And that's at a million miles an hour with reckless abandon. And you see it. I mean, and he's lived inside the lions tackles heads rent free for the last like 10 years. Anyways. I mean, Decker and Wagner, I've watched him ruin both those dudes. And now he had the rookie Penny Sewell who had no shot most of the time. And so seeing the way that he, works guys through the game and i love if you just want to spend an entire game just watching everson watch the way he sets guys up for pass rush moves it's pretty impressive i mean it's speed 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 spin hey bull rush bull rush bull rush hop outside hop outside to the counter inside he has a plan every single week i know i would watch tape with him and he would study tape of how he wanted to attack these guys He's like okay i'm gonna set him up this way and then haymaker time i'm gonna come with this And he understands that there's critical situations when you pass rush. And so when he's going to pass rush, he knows, okay, I've set him up and he's ready for this counter. He's ready for this. And so I'm going to hit him with it. And he's, and we're just going to, it's teed up for him. 
And he's done that each and every week. I mean, I've seen it. And then the other piece, too, that I think is a really reason why he's having a lot of success is I love what Zimmer's doing and Andre Patterson with putting Daniil and him on the same side as a, uh, Everson down at the three-technique position and Daniil outside, and they're running games and they're running stunts or they're just rushing straight up. And Everson on a guard is always going to be a mismatch. And I think that once you put those two on the same side, that guard and tackle start to slow set a little bit because they're worried about, are the twisting, are they not? And that's allowed him to get some good pressure rate coming from the inside too. But I mean, is it hard? Is it, I think we could argue to say that he was our best free agent signing throughout the entire off season. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I mean, so. I, he's been, I mean, he's been remarkable and he's exactly what this defense needed and not costly either because right. uh, he was out there at, toward the end of training camp. And that's when a lot of the best signings happen is when somebody sort of slips through the cracks and then all of a sudden you get a really good deal. Um, but you know, that's, as you're talking, I was just thinking about how a lot of things have actually gone right in terms of the roster for the Vikings. So you think about the offensive line has been completely healthy for the whole line that they had through preseason. Um, Everson has come in and played well. That was a question mark. Daniil Hunter is one of the three or four best pass rushers in the NFL. Now, remember I told you about the true pass set mm -hmm. statistic mm -hmm. on the other side of that, he wins 40% of those, which is an insanely that's high mark. I mean, that's crazy. like, yeah, that's right at the top of the league. Yeah. Daniil Hunter. So his fused on neck works totally fine. Um, Xavier Woods has been fine. Patrick Peterson has been fine outside of the Arizona game where there was some confusion. But other than that, he made a, a good play, missed a pretty questionable tackle also in this game, but he's been fine, but he, he's been fine. It hasn't been any type of disaster. Uh, the receivers have stayed healthy. Um, even the running game has been fine, uh, even with Delvin Cook out. And so to be sitting at two and three and looking at the roster and saying, you've been mostly healthy outside of dings and cuts. And Nick Vigil was okay with Anthony Barr out. That that's where I think like the road forward feels harder because if Everson Griffin slows down a little as the season goes along uh, or, you know, whatever number of other injuries that could pop up or COVID list or whatever. I mean, it feels like they want to say we've gotten a lot of bad bounces, but I don't think that things on the roster have actually gone too wrong for them. And that's hard to maintain throughout a whole season. It is. And I'll give the Vikings and stuff. I mean, this was the first team they played that had a losing record this year right mm -hmm. i mean the, they've had a tough start to the year and i think that if they can get to the bye and they can be what would they, they'd be up at three and three if they win this week that's Is that correct it, so yep. you get to you get to three and three and then you get to the bye after that because i have a bye after that right i'm trying to think of the schedule ahead yep, of me here yep, so do. get to yep. three and three get to the bye and really hit the reset and you you come out of the bye healthier than you started the season Especially if you have, okay, we've ramped up our left tackle at Derrissaw now. Get him in there. Hey, we've got our vets some rest, Peterson and Everson and Barr, and those guys have kind of got another rest. New season, right? New season. And, and you start at zero and zero, and you just go from there. The, the schedule doesn't get any easier for them by any means. But at the same time, I think that they'll have a little bit more confidence than they even did when the season started. And when you have a little bit more confidence than when you're zero, when you're zero and zero, and you have more confidence at three and three, I think good things can happen. So I'm, I'm not saying we're gonna go out there and be 15 wins or whatever, 14 wins or whatever it's gonna be, but I do think this team has the potential to turn the corner, like we said at the beginning, if everything goes right. But I mean, you can go all the way back to Zimmer's comments in the 
preseason, if we get some guys hurt, the depth's not really there. And that's your point, I believe. And that point is terrifying because we are already teetering on hanging on or winning. And, and as soon as one or two pieces might fall out of that, it's going to be really hard for this team to win football games. Right. So Michael Pierce goes down and all of a sudden yeah. the Browns and the Detroit Lions just steamroll you on yeah. the ground. And I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think Dallas is going to give you any breaks if Michael Pierce isn't back by then. Right. Uh-huh. I mean, they're they're going to run you over for the entire game. And then they have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So like that, that's where and, and San Francisco is not going to give you any breaks on the ground and, and teams like that. So uh, but I, I guess what I, I'm thinking is just that your point is correct that if you get to three and three that you have the talent and at least if you get out of this game largely healthy you'll have the health to have it all in front of you to prove it and and that's why i look at it like if you think that this is the direction you want to go this is the coach this is the quarterback this is the front office then you will have that opportunity if you win that game against carolina if you don't you can't sell me on any of this working and, this, your ch- yeah. and your chances go into the tank in terms of making the playoffs. Yeah, I think this is uh, this is obviously the biggest week of the season for the Vikings so far. They have to win this football game. And I think the Panthers are a much more competent team than they have been in the past. I mean, and like you said, they've got good – they're playing good defense right now. Sam Darnold still yet to be – I don't know. He's got like five rushing touchdowns, but, I mean, they're all from like two yards away. And so I don't know. I think this is a great test for this team. I think they are confident coming off this win, but as long as they're able to go out and get a lead against this team and not have to drop back against Brian Burns for 40 times, like we talked about, I feel pretty good about them being able to win this football game this week. Okay. Uh, the, so the uh, football power index, football power, football power. index, football uh, is uh, 14 versus 15. So oh, uh, they, they have these teams is pretty even, which kind of tells you about where you stand in, in the universe, that you're even with a very mediocre Carolina team that played horrendously bad football against the Philadelphia Eagles. So neither team should be happy with what they just did. So you can't do the whole like, well, they're coming off a win. They'll be cocky and they're uh, or Johnsony. Uh, they're uh <laughs> They're coming off a loss. They'll be fired up. Like, you know, both teams really need to win this game. So um, I think it will be, uh, I think it's an apt matchup, really. Like, if you can't beat this team, then, well, you know, I don't know that you deserve to to even get the opportunity to have that run. And if you plow the Carolina Panthers and beat them by 20, then new season. That's the way I look at it. Uh, Let's, um, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think when when you look at this team on paper, Carolina versus the Vikings it shouldn't be close right when you look at the talent gap from I think that Carolina's got some good players don't get me wrong when you look at the talent that the Vikings have especially on offense versus what the Panthers have on offense I mean this should be one of those games that like you call it like what a get right game right like hey get everything back on schedule we got all our pieces besides maybe Michael Pierce and let's just get it get right and get into the bye versus I think the Panthers we'll be on the other side of like, we don't really have anything to lose. Let's go knock off the Vikings. Right. And so I think it's going to be a really good game. This game's going to come down to who takes care of the football. Like when you, when you look at evenly matched teams, you think, okay, who's going to turn the football over first and who's going to make a mistake. And I, I personally think that's going to be Sam Darnold, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, Kirk's been known to have one of those games where it's just like, where, where, hello, earth to Kirk. 
earth to Kirk, where are you? And it's the third quarter. And he's like, Oh, I'm here. And so like, if he has one of those in the first half, we could be in trouble this weekend. Uh, the Vikings have both uh, the lowest turnovers on offense and the, I think fourth lowest turnover percentage on defense that's bound to break one way or the other. Yep. And I yep. guess we'll find out. Uh, I tend to think Zimmer defenses against unproven quarterbacks, uh, usually pretty good, but mm-hmm. that, you know, it's not, it's not 2017 anymore. So uh, let's do uh love to see it. Hate to see it. I'm going to say, start with love to see it. Lamar Jackson noted wide receiver uh, throwing for 450 or something. The highest completion percentage ever in a game where a guy threw for over 400 yards um, I don't know, man, his throwing motion ain't perfect, but he can throw the football like a franchise quarterback. Good for you, Lamar Jackson. And good for us. What a football game. Just oh, nuts. that was so, just so fun to watch. Great game. So love fun to, to watch. My love to see it is watching the Buffalo Bills just skull drag the Kansas City Chiefs up and down the field for four and a half hours with the lightning delay because I watched every glorious minute. And there's just something about watching Patrick Mahomes have to eat a little bit of humble pie. Like, and even though Collinsworth just couldn't stop just stroking him, just loving it, right? It's like, all oh, Chiefs are down three scores with eight minutes left. If anyone could do this, it's Patrick Mahomes. It's like, give give us, give us, the guy some credit. He refused to give the Bills credit, but I think the Bills are the best team in the NFL right now. They're playing unbelievable football, and I just loved watching them drag Kansas City up and down the field. You are definitely a Bills fan when you're saying they don't give us enough credit on the TV broadcast. That is, uh, <laughs> that it's is true. It's long been a thing. It it's is long true. Been a thing. Um, I would say just a quick take. I think Sean McDermott, if you were doing an all coach draft, might go number one for in sure. The NFL. I think he is phenomenal. And his game plans against the Kansas city chiefs have routinely just been, uh, next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am going to say kickers, except for Greg <laughs> Joseph. Kickers not named Greg Joseph. Rodrigo Blankenship. What happened there? A 47 yarder. Um, also, you know, and along the same lines, hate to see it. Coaches who play for field goals get exactly what they've got <laughs> coming to them. That's the way I look at it, too. But is it just me or were kickers better? Like in the ninety, like late nineties, two thousands, this was the most missed kicks in a weekend since nineteen eighty seven. Jeremiah, I, I swear, teams just like get a kicker, and if he struggles for a minute, he's just gone, and they don't let guys like develop and become who they are, and so they're playing this like whack a mole game, and uh, I think it it hurts everyone. So kickers hate to see it. Just a bad weekend. How about how about Blankenship like sitting down behind the water cooler? Uh, did you see that when he was playing? Like they like panned to him and he just looked like a two-year-old like pouting behind the I was like, what are you stretching? Like what what are you doing? Get get up. Get up. Um, all right. So my hate to see it is, and it's kind of a love to see it too, is Bama going down. Like I wanted to see, I wanted to see the undefeated Bama versus the undefeated Georgia in the SEC championship because I do think those are still two of the best teams in the country. Alabama always finds a way to step on their own. Johnson every now and then <laughs> throughout the year, but I wanted to see that matchup. I really did. And so now I, I've been robbed of that, but I also love to see Bama go down. So it's kind of a, a love hate for me in that regard. I mean, the, you could do a whole love to see a college football this last weekend. I mean, oh, it, so it was, it was Texas. Pe- it was peaking freaking Texas college dude. football. Um, one last one for me. Hate to see it. 
everything related to John Gruden. Just mm. a shame. I've uh, from the outside, and this is always proof like you just don't know people, but um, I've just always enjoyed John Gruden, like football guy and his uh, one-on-ones with the quarterbacks and everything. I learned a lot from those. Um, if you watch not the sports center, two minute version, but like the 30 minute yeah. version of them, um, they're really insightful and very interesting. Uh, and I learned a lot, but uh, so I've sort of always enjoyed him. I even enjoyed him as a broadcaster. It was kind of crazy sometimes, but like, I, you know, I enjoyed how football he and X's and O's he wanted to be in that and to see what I guess who he is sort of revealed. Um, it's just really, it's, it sucks, man. It's just that like very, very disappointing. So you hate to see that. Um, and obviously the right move to just move on from him. Yeah. And, and that sucks. I mean, you never want to see someone that you I mean that really kids probably looked up to you in college people like the, to have that happen is just not good for the sport. It's not good for the shield, but you know, who doesn't hate it. Urban Meyer. urban meyer is not super upset that the spotlight has then gone from florida out to vegas because if anyone needs to get checked like that urban meyer's next on the list Mm. give it give it a week give it two weeks urban meyer will find his way back into the cycle (laughs) he's he's actually upset that the spotlight's off him so he's gonna find ways to get back in it he's going through his emails what what ones of my (laughs) emails can get me out of this like that that guy is George Costanza dragging around the championship trophy. And oh my god! See that uh, Seinfeld episode. I yes. mean, he wants out of this. Out, um, out, out, out. Great stuff, Jeremiah, as always, and uh, best of luck to your Cornhuskers this week. And uh, we will do it again on Tuesday morning. Left guard.